0: On today's show, we're going to be helping the socially awkward folks like myself, who are self-proclaimed introverts, try and be a little bit smoother and a little bit more effective in terms of networking and just getting along with people at work. I am bringing on an IT guy turned social coach on today's podcast to give us some pointers and some things to be aware of. So if you guys hear me talking about a lot of being an accredited investor and finding deal flow is mostly about networking and getting to know other passive investors so that you can become a better passive investor yourself. But to do that, you have to make relationships, organic real relationships with other high net worth accredited investors. Uh, A lot of this, again, like I say all the time, is not going to be at your local RIA or the free internet Facebook groups or other forums out there because those groups are typically filled with guys who are trying to make their first two hundred thousand dollars $200,000 net worth. But how do you, when you finally get in the right room, like maybe we do a simple passive cash flow outing, maybe I come to San Francisco or Seattle. When you finally get in a group with our tribe, how do you make most of like it? I love the soft skills we're going to be talking about this today and I hope you guys enjoy. We're talking to Ryan here. One of my accredited investors been in a bunch of deals with me. He came down to the Hui Mastermind retreat in Honolulu, Hawaii last year. Why don't you give us a little quick take on what did you like about it? And then I'll give you the big news, man.
1: So I I loved it last year. I can't wait to do it this year. So basically these people, I could relate to them a lot more. They were all uh, hard workers. They understood the long-term play. They had the capital to back up what they wanted to do. Everyone in their group had their own little experiences and experiments going on. So some people are looking into tiny homes. Some people are looking maybe into office space. Some people are doing still single family homes and others are doing syndications. So you get a very broad range of what everyone's doing and it, it rarely intersects with exactly what I'm doing. I would be doing like, for instance, what I brought to the table last year was I had just gotten into an island syndication So I wanted to bring details to everyone there and you can share your experiences and people can ask you questions that you may have not have thought of. And because they have that experience as well.
0: Yeah. And and that's the thing, folks, like our group is, I think the only group out there that's pure passive investor groups, most uh, real estate, I actually, I stopped going to real estate conferences because I started to realize they were all fake. Either they're trying to sell some gurus, $30,000 course. Or they're just a bunch of newbie syndicators trying to get in the game and yeah, just on some podcast or something like that.
1: That's, that's what I noticed. This, this was an experienced group. A lot of them had already been in some syndications. Some were just getting started off, which is fine too, but they got help on both ends. So I could see what others were doing from the get-go and I realized that they had capital. They had the desire to just be passive. And then I saw obviously people ahead of me who had been doing it longer, who had been in more deals. And I could peek around the corner and see what I should be looking out for. What's next? And that's mainly what I like. I like to get that notion of what's next and how to look ahead.
0: I'll be doing the same thing. We'll be filtering investors and only those who meet the certain criteria of pure passive investors will be getting into this year's event. But I got some bad news, man. What's that? You're not going to be able to come to Hawaii this year because the, all that's been going on, the whole pandemic thing. So,
1: so you just, you just gonna, don't want me to come?
0: No, not... You and everybody else are going to need to stay at home and uh, attend this thing virtually. But, but yeah.
1: Well, how is that going to work?
0: I'm in a bunch of other masterminds and okay. we are all things I pay 25 grand. I'm in a few of these and I'm taking the best practices from those events. The reason why I, I spend that much money to go to those type of events, and I'm sure why you came to Hawaii, was so that you could build a relationship with other people. So I've seen ways to do this virtually. right? Okay. Using lot of zoom breakout rooms but I have a lot of work that I have to do to bring the right people in ask people the right questions to curate the right speaking slots as we go around this event okay um, it, it will be virtual this year Martha Luther King January 2021 twenty will be probably a couple days no more than six hours a day in the first half of the day since I know how things are hard it's, it, and this is what's nice about an in-person meeting that we won't be able to do is you get to detach and it's, it's, it was the time at the bar. It was the time hanging out. That was the cool time. That was. But we're going to try and mimic this as much as possible. And I, I would say like most online events are just like death by speakers, a bunch of PowerPoints. But the majority of the interaction is going to be, you guys are going to be talking to other members, either on a one-to-one basis like this or in small groups, no more than 12 people in a group. So you're going to really get to know each other
1: personally. I I like that. I think, yeah. Okay. So you're going to have breakout rooms with smaller groups of people. I I think that's going to increase the focus as well. I think it's easy to get caught up in in trying to talk to everyone when there is like a larger group at a big table. I I noticed that. So I think it is, that is going to be helpful.
0: Yeah. And that's the hard thing about even in-person events, right? Like when you... And most of us in our group are introverts. You're you're, you're an introvert, right, too?
1: I want to be, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're an involved introvert. <laughs> so what I notice being an introvert, too, is like when you find somebody cool to talk with, you spend a lot of time with them. I mean, you don't talk to everybody else. So these breakout rooms, having I'm going to facilitate them is going to be cool because it's going to give you enough time, you know, 10 minutes to, to interact with somebody, get a good vibe, see if you want to interact with them again in the future. Take that content But it's also going to maximize your time. So you can interact with a lot of people in this. uh, Yeah,
1: that's, that's true. I think it's gonna, it's obviously, I think it'll be, so so how will it be organic? Like, I I think in in person, it would just be like randomly, you would meet some people and and see if you would connect with them. How is it going to work here? Are there going to be like groups that you choose to be in? Are there going to be focus groups or?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to do a little bit of random matchmaking for sure but for the most part i want to give people somewhat of a guideline of you know what to talk about instead of just popping you guys into a group (laughs) because that's a little awkward right here is the the start of the Family office ohana virtual mastermind the bubble 2021 is what i'm going to call it i've got i'm starting to build a list of different topics here this list will obviously grow as the uh, weeks go by as we get closer to the event but there's very common topics that I see coming up, right? The guy who has a high net worth, doesn't have very much liquidity, but has a lot of money in their home equity or their 401k. How Are they taking money out of their 401k slowly? So they leak it out. So their AGI doesn't come up over $300,000. That was something we talked about this past year that I would say half of the people in the room, and I'm sure half of the people with the virtual mastermind are having the same issues. So getting those people together and for those people who don't have those issues, we'll put them in another group for general networking or okay. infinite banking. I don't know if you've set yours up yet. but That was a big thing for a lot of people. hardly they setting that up? And everybody has a different situation in terms of net worth, how many kids they have, where they are with a career. What does their liquidity look like? How much money do they net at the end of the year? And what do they want a deployment strategy for investments are going to be? So. Yes. What I When people sign up and they apply, one of the biggest things is I'm going to have a long, pretty long um, on-take form so that I know where everybody's net worth, their liquidity, what problems they're having, so that when we go to the itinerary, I can match people up specifically in the right groups gotcha. or with the right people.
1: That makes sense. That's gonna, yeah, that's going to be really helpful. It's going to take a lot of planning. Yeah, for
0: <laughs> for sure. that's a lot of work on your end. Like. <laughs> There's a common amount of problems and issues people have and for example infinite banking there's some experts in the crowd there's some people that have never heard of it the experts i'm going to hook up with i'm going to have some people in my current mastermind to play elders and bring up some people that are in the middle but i'm going to jump to the breakout room with the complete newbies and teach it from the start so it's, this this format will continue throughout the weekend
1: okay Yep, that yeah, you sense. might even
0: do a little bit of a uh, Texas Hold'em. This is a fun game or something like that.
1: That game. would be awesome. I think games are, I was going to say like the activities in the games, especially in, in person last year, that was, those were great. That really helped start talking to people and, and just feel people out, at least in terms of not just real estate, but just in what type of person they are. Yeah,
0: it's going to be a super sleek use of Google documents. And because like, <laughs> one thing I can do is you have your, your just totally random networking and you have these more specific itinerary based topic discussions, but the, in the middle, you have this form of maybe there's different breakout rooms that people want to learn about or talk to other people's in the peers. So I can build a Google document with the breakout room, breakout room one, rename it to 401ks, breakout two rename it to taking money out of your retirement account. Breakout three to legacy planning. What are you doing in your irrevocable trust or trust? What kind of caveats are you putting in there? Who wants to talk about oil and gas or land conservation easements, right? And just a general hallway.
1: Yeah, I think like that to your previous point, that was important for me is like tax strategies. Since I'm single, I don't, there no kids. So it's, I don't get a whole lot of tax help those were great strategies for me last year. And, and I'd really like to see and check in. What have people been doing about, um, about them? Did anyone go for it? I know that we were still researching well and gas last year. And then obviously, yeah, the hallway too. I think it might be good to force people to rotate into the hallway every so often. And just relax and, and take a break from learning and, and absorbing information at least.
0: Yeah, and in the new version of Zoom right now, you have the ability to navigate yourself through the breakout room. So if you're not, if something's not working for you, you can move around however you want. We'll leave that option open for people. But uh, going back to the taxes, right? Like the using real estate professional status, 750 hours uh, with active participation and using all these passive losses you're getting via cost aggregations and bonus depreciation from these deals. You understood it, right? You're there in person, you got the concepts. So what we would probably do for you now is put you in a group of the experts that get it. And you guys have passive losses to use and then put you in the people that are on the same level. So you can you guys can talk shop. I might stick with the new people and teach them this concept, of the simple passive casual gravy train as I've trademarked
1: it. Yeah. Cause that was me. That was me last year. Actually I had no idea about it. I'd never heard of these things. And, and so I was new and now that I know about it and I've actually been looking around. It'd be great to even get more information about people who have already done it.
0: We've got people in the group have gotten short-term rentals They let us enact their real estate professional status so they can offset their passive losses to the ordinary income. You, my friend, are single, so it's going to be hard for you to do it, but we'll connect you and maybe the other single people too. Even if
1: they're not single, it's still I think it's still useful. I think, yeah, I can still find relatable people. And, and again, the big part for me is probably, I guess, the hallway... It might be helpful to have a room to just talk about like a general room. There's no forced topic, but it's also not like a hallway where you just kind of hang out and talk about like the weather. I don't know. But really a big part, a big draw for me is like hearing, like for instance, I think one person was doing like Airbnbs with tiny homes and I was like, that's, that's awesome. And he was just wrapping it up. So I'd love to connect with him again and say, oh, how'd that go? How's it looking now with COVID? Things like that.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to be going out to certain members on specific topics that they're doing like that, and they, they can need a breakout room also. That way they can work their membership to their, their their admission rate a little bit lower on a scholarship. So that's a big thing I'm doing in the family office, Ohana, is I'm having people join up for another year who are more senior, kind of helping the event go. So it's just not me doing it all. We're going to have definitely have gotcha. helpers here, but like more facilitators too. Yeah. I'm open to that also. Gotcha. We're trying to build this community here of high net worth, accredited investors to on the road, to financial freedom.
1: One thing I'd also like this year is I'm not married, but I, I do have a girlfriend and she wants to get into real estate. She likes the idea of like mailbox money, passive income. That's uh, so why I'm, she has
0: you, man. That's you... money right there. You just go <laughs> to work every day. And...
1: Yeah, maybe it is, but she wants- you're just (laughs) ordinary i am i am it's it's more passive on her part but yeah i i I think it's it's beneficial here do you think there would be for people who do have spouses or significant others are there going to be rooms for them or or can they join
0: that's a great idea and uh, what i know i'm going to do is we're going to have a topic called reluctant spouse syndrome where i'm going to give the high level very quick presentation but again the format of this thing is to break out into a room to talk story get best practices from the other members i'm gonna pull people and, and find those people in the group that have gotten their spouse over the hump. and from that means they maybe talked to them for 2000 hours and they finally get it <laughs> or they found some kind of quick medium right like me okay. i don't have my spouse co-sign any of my documents because i don't want to waste my time every single time i do this so i found the happy medium but gotcha. it's different for everybody. And it I is, think yeah. in that situation, you're going to be able to t- talk to people who have gotten over the situation or you got in going through that hard struggle with your, your significant other going through it. We'll probably allow, maybe that might be a good evening time event where idea. we have the spouses join us and they can interact with the other spouses too. When we did the in-person thing, there were a few couples that came that brought their... Uh, the reluctant spouse along because it just happened to be in Hawaii and they got shipped to go to Hawaii. When they met a lot of the other investors such as yourself and they got it, right? They saw how our very high level group did this. And it wasn't just about making money. It was about creating a legacy and wealth building. They right. got it. And I think that to have the spouses come in and interact, mix it up with the other spouses and folks like yourself, I think that's good. And we'll definitely try and do stuff
1: like that great yeah that'll help because right now she only hears me talk and so i think it's it's refreshing to maybe get her some more exposure in terms of more experienced people other people are also uh, getting their feet yeah that'll probably be the good cocktail event for sure cool
0: <laughs> any other questions man i think this is gonna be a super fun event martha luther king weekend so you've got that monday off okay but we'll probably do it on the saturday and sunday in the first half of the day
1: awesome Awesome. And then how are you going to, cause typically like when everyone was in Hawaii, you had, everyone was in the same time zone. So how are you going to coordinate everyone to be together when they live in different areas?
0: Well, I'm going to suck it up and try and wake up extra early and I'll be started at like really early, just so that we can stay on that first half of the day for, for yourself. I think most of us are in the mountain or specific time zone centrally okay. located. So to kind of start on in the morning and then go to a little bit after lunchtime. But so you have the, the time to do whatever you need to do for the rest of the day. But I really. think it is important to break away from your normal day-to-day and immerse yourself. That's the big thing is yes. immersion. Yeah. But I think it's cool this time with, that you don't have to get on a plane and go. And what I'll probably do also is build an itinerary of these different topics that we are talking about. So if something doesn't pertain to you, or you want to cherry pick, you got to go do the laundry or something. You got to run errand, right? Mr. Ordinary Income Man. You got to do something.
1: <laughs> I got to go look at work stuff.
0: Yeah, you got to go do work stuff. You can cherry pick when you want to do that. So you don't miss out something that you really want to learn about.
1: And that that's huge. That is.
0: Yeah. But I think when people realize the quality of people in this group, if they haven't already, they're going to see, they're going to their eyes are going to really open just like how yours did when
1: you came that was yeah that was huge for me i think that's when it became really evident that you have put a lot of work in into creating the group and it's yeah it's everyone wants you to win and everyone's on a team together and everyone's going to help you out yeah it's a great group
0: i'm going to do a, my best trying to filter the right people into the group there's always a chance not many people make it get past my filters but I think this is where am I, I going to get community. past your filter you you're going to make it in you've been around a while I know you personally but, um, I think this is where I rely on like my community right we all need to be watchdogs potentially a bad right. actor or, or a shady character who could come in could infiltrate the group but for the most part everybody are pure past investors they're all working to build their own personal family office and it's more of an abundance mindset
1: that's what I felt Not
0: competitive yeah We'll send this out to folks and hopefully they learned from your good questions you gave me a good one that was, that was good but any last
1: words my friend that's all i got thanks a lot lane
0: this is a story about a dude named lane he moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay and then one day he went try to rent them out and then he became one real investor man Hey, Simple Passive Cashflow listeners, today we are going to be talking to Brady Heldman, who is a ex-IT professional, but he is focusing on teaching other IT professionals and other smart guys the soft skills like clear communication, responsiveness, empathy, and we're going to be doing a deep dive on this. So this is going to be a, a good one for those of you guys who have day jobs, which is most of you. A lot of folks in the simple passive cash flow nation are high-paid professionals. You guys realize that your time is better spent at your day job, going after that next promotion. It ain't gonna be forever. Most of you guys, I notice, can get financially free in five to ten years. But it's definitely um, time better spent there than screwing around with some burr property or you know, your fourth or fifth turnkey rental. That's for sure. But uh, Brady, thanks for jumping on, man. Of course. Yeah, so a lot of our groups, a lot of engineers in our investor club, for some strange reason, maybe because I am, but I guess why don't you take us through what is like the biggest mistakes that you see other IT professionals, or let's just put it in general, like smart people, right? Dentists, doctors, they need to have bedside manner. Mm. What, what are the biggest mistakes that you see just to start us off and we can maybe isolate a few of these for, within this next podcast?
2: Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that tends to be the root problem here is when you get really good in any particular field, you start to learn the jargon and use the jargon, but you don't necessarily keep a sense of what the other person in a conversation knows and doesn't know. And too often, particularly for engineers and other process oriented individuals we tend to think in terms of the tasks that we have to do we tend to think a little bit more in acronyms and other terminology and it's comfortable for us and we don't go through the effort to make ourselves uncomfortable enough to translate our jargon into something the other person can understand and when we don't do that it tends to break rapport and make for rather stilted conversation, short conversations, not a lot of popularity within the workplace, etc.
0: Yeah, it just goes to show that you, the person you're talking to on the other end, they are not an expert as you may be, and it comes across as... Number one, you don't have empathy over the other person in their shoes. And number two, you could just be like breaking.
2: It's the idea of almost like a lack of sensitivity. You could make an argument, in fact, that it is almost inconsiderate to spout jargon at another person who you didn't check to see whether or not they would even understand the jargon. you made an assumption about it and then you launch in. And you get a lot of hurt feelings that way. You get a lot of ruffled feathers. You get a lot of conflict in a workplace where you might come across as condescending or as an asshole or whatever. There's any number of extra elements that come into play because all the person on the receiving end has to go on is the words that you're saying and the tone you're using. And if you're really short and succinct about it and almost impatient about it because it seems obvious to you and you're making all of these assumptions, you can have a completely different reaction. From them than what you would be expecting.
0: It's just what is the the acronym picnic problem not in computer found in seat or something. Yeah, like
2: or that. pebcac Yeah, problem. Yeah, problem between uh, monitor and and chair or something like that. Yeah,
0: but yeah, what are things that of people to be on the lookout that they do? Because there's a lot of smart people that listen to this podcast, and sometimes it can definitely a lot of introverts to but. I think sometimes the smarter you get, the less self-aware you are of these similar things.
2: Yeah. And I think about it as a lot of people will make the assumption that the to go-to the effort of translating for somebody else is something that somebody who's more extroverted would go through. The reason one of the reasons why I suspect the proportion of individuals that have a tr- trouble with clear communication, with avoiding jargon. Tends to come from like engineers and IT people and other really technical industries, or because there's probably a somewhat higher proportion of introverts there than extroverts. And a common misconception is that you've got to be extroverted in order to get along with other people and establish rapport. But interestingly, somebody who is an introvert actually has a lot more empathy for somebody else. They just don't necessarily know how to tap into it. So the effort that you go through to translate for somebody else is actually easier on an introvert than for an extrovert in a way, because you can internalize the emotion of what the other person's feeling. You just don't know how to do that.
0: They're just not, an introvert. just also just tends to be listening or not talking all, of, all of the
2: time. And then when you wanna say something, oftentimes, again, in technical fields, you wanna be precise about what you're saying. But there's so much effort on being precise that you don't necessarily keep in mind what they're going to understand or not understand about your precision. Oftentimes translating it in a way that loses a tiny bit of the meaning, but becomes much easier to understand is a lot better than giving the precise terminology or acronym to what is happening or what this thing is. And it goes over somebody's head instead. So it's the main thing that stops introverts i think is the initial effort it takes to think not only about the other person but then to go out of your way to accommodate them because that in a way is what you're doing you're accommodating somebody else explicitly to translate something that you take for granted into words or ideas that the other person will understand easily it's well received when you do this but it takes a lot of effort there's a hump to get
0: past And sometimes it's just an ego thing. A good example of this is, I guess, in our our industry, we make a lot of fun about doctors because doctors in our realm are horrible investors. They're really smart people, but they're absolutely the worst investors. They invest in some of the worst stuff. And it's funny when I get a doctor that is clued in on this truth (laughs) that you know, but you see some doctors who are very intelligent people and I'm I'm just, I don't really want to isolate the doctors completely. It's, It's every smart profession. You get a smart person and they come into a realm such as investing and they're a complete noob about it, newbie. And yet they believe that they can learn it like that, or they already know, have a pretty good understanding. But part of it is, ego and being able to start at the infancy stage, realize that you don't know what you don't know just stage one, and then realize that there is a whole bunch of other stuff you need to learn to even start to build an understanding. We work with hardworking professionals looking to opt out of investments for the clueless. I mean, mainstream investing. We work with people we have a direct relationship while enjoying higher returns and a quicker path to financial freedom. I personally move my endorsement from turnkey rentals to syndications as my net worth has grown. However, the downside of many of these deals is that you need at least $50,000 to invest and the frequency of deals that meet my criteria is sporadic. Check out my article at simplepassivecashflow.com OFUND and learn how I always have cash on hand by using the American Home Preservation Fund as part of this one-two punch to be ready for a great deal while still making a double-digit return. I have been investing in AHP since 2016. AHP is a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, where collectively, the fund and investors, like you, pull their money together and get great bulk discounts on distressed mortgages. It's a business model that I think gets stronger should a bump in the economy come, because this is where there will be even more distressed inventory for AHP to purchase. The American Home Preservation Fund aims to keep people in their homes so you can make a ten percent return while making a positive social impact. Invest in as little as a hundred dollars by going to ahpservicing.com/investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book and learn about George Newberry's story, please send me an email at lane@simplepassivecashflow.com.
2: At I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability.
0: You'd be talk to us. I'm sure you, know, you, you run a lot of boot camps with folks. What can you say about people with that type of problem? Because that
2: one's a little bit harder to work around, right? It is more fundamental. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's harder because it sounds deceptively simple to avoid jargon, but in practice, it's so much harder because there is the value system that somebody holds internally that really ultimately dictates whether or not they go through the effort to avoid jargon. So it is deceptively simple, but quite difficult to actually change in practice because they have to change themselves, their values. And when we talk about something like ego, it's much the same idea. There's a fundamental way that we view ourselves that you can't be on autopilot with. You can't just let that be and carry on with the day-to-day stuff and expect that not to influence everything you do and all of your results in your life. It all comes down to your value system, your viewpoint, and how willing you are to change that. And I cover a topic that I consider a difference. I I did not create these concepts. These actually came from a book, Carol Dweck, Mindset, that I would recommend would be good reading for people. But there's this concept of growth versus fixed mindset. That is the technical terminology, which is to basically say, when we talk about smart people, When we talk about educated people, and we talk about people that are really good at this, we are labeling them. We are labeling them though with fixed attributes. If you are not smart, then you must be dumb. So there's a lot of those backhanded compliments that tend to start coming in, where you go somebody gets a hundred percent score on a test and you go, congratulations, you're so you're a genius. And then they don't really feel great about that. They actually feel pressured now. And nervous, because if they don't get 100 on the next test, then what does that say about them? So that's that idea of a fixed mindset. But growth is about the effort, about the journey that we're taking, about where we are trying to reach with our effort and our energy and our focus. And that's what I helped to craft. And it correlates with ego because I put that on a spectrum between solution-focused and ego-focused. As two ends of, of a spectrum. And the boot camp that you mentioned briefly teaches throughout those six weeks a recurring theme of being solution focused because you can enjoy praise. You can enjoy the nice things that come from, you know, it feels good to know that I have this PhD. It feels good to know that I hold this kind of salary, this kind of prestige. You can enjoy those pleasures, but don't let them affect your decisions. The decision should be influenced by a solution approach. What is the solution that I want to do? If you're unhappy with something in your life right now, if you're unhappy with something in your career, in the workplace that you want to change, it is infinitely better to treat that as a problem that has a solution than to react from your ego to react from your emotions, to react from how other people should treat you because you have accomplished X, Y, Z.
0: So we talk a lot about like handling rejection and confrontation. Mm-hmm. And that kind of reminds me about when you go into a, a confrontation or some kind of conflict that again, like you mentioned, it's all about the, what is the solution that you want to the outcome. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can go more into detail
2: about that. When you're focusing on a solution with a conflict, it tends to dampen down your emotional reactions from a place of ego. So if you're giving, we can call it investment advice. If you're giving investment advice to somebody and they're not listening to you, they're not taking your advice. You'd alluded to like doctors might be proportionally higher at being terrible investors kind of thing. And if there's ego involved and they're rejecting your advice and they don't want to do the investments that are a good recommendation or coming up in in group conversations because they think this is going to work better. You're in a conflict. And as an expert in investment, or if we talk about the engineer, or if we even talk about the doctor, imagine a doctor with a patient and the patient is going, yeah, I know I need to exercise more. Ha ha. And they're brushing off the doctor's advice. There's that prick to our pride as an expert that somebody's not taking our advice. But If we maintain our focus on the solution, we will react and respond differently to that person in the room differently than if we reacted out of hurt pride, wounded pride, offense, etc. So that's where that kind of ties in. The main thing that we want to focus on from the solution is mastery over our own emotion, not letting our emotions rule us.
0: I think an example that I see, I, I personally go through a lot is I tell people, you know, if you do the math, investing via a retirement fund doesn't make too much sense because you gotta wait till you're 70 years old to get the money, you're gonna you're in a lower tax bracket today, tax brackets are going up in the future. And when you invest via retirement funds, you don't get any of the passive losses to potentially offset your W2 income. When people, I guess they go the other way, I could probably like whatever, man if you're the expert you freaking do it do, do whatever you want that's the prick right that you're mm-hmm. mentioning so maybe walk me through it how i should work through that solution or right. right? get to the solution because i guess the solution i want them to do what's what makes sense i guess
2: i think the so. What this boils down to is that there's a different concept that I can intermingle in here. And that's the idea of separating the two kinds of power. Because when we think of power, we just think of one kind of power, which is social power, influence over another person. And if you look at your goal or your objective as trying to get somebody else to do something, then you're already setting yourself up potentially for failure because all you can do is influence them. You can't control them. But the thing that you can control is personal power, and that is your reactions to something. That is your decisions on how you're going to respond, how you're going to move forward. So you feel that prick of wounded pride. You exert personal power by choosing to adopt a solution approach rather than reacting from hurt pride. That's the first thing. You can control your reaction. You can't control what they decide to do, though. So now we're talking about social influence. What I would actually say to you in this situation and what I usually would say to somebody else in a similar situation of what do I do? I want them to do this. Reevaluate your true goal, your true objective, because your true goal and objective should be something you have control over, not something you can only influence. Your goal should be something you can actually reach and guarantee that you can reach. That's where confidence comes from. That's where that certainty in your path and what you're going to do comes from. So your goal could be to exhaust all options you can take to influence this person to take sound advice and take a sound approach. That could be the objective. Because if they listen to you at some point and then they follow your advice, that's fantastic. That's a great outcome. But you still win even if they don't because you've taken all logical steps to try and coach them the right way, to follow the right advice and the right steps. So you will still win because you could control that. You could control all of the suggestions and pathways that you could illuminate for them. It's up to them to use their personal power to decide to take your advice or not.
0: So whether it's a doctor teaching about diet and exercise, getting them to make that path, having somebody get their retirement funds out of the clutches of the government, it's not about the other person it's about me exhausting all my options to Doing get there everything and, if, and yeah. if not be okay with it is that kind of the answer yeah.
2: yeah because if you think about it through to a logical conclusion you can end up with doctors that become suicidal if you really think about it in a life and death struggle kind of situation you got somebody having diagnosed with cancer and they have to take certain medications or go through certain treatments and then you have the patient refuse to take those treatments and the doctor in that room is going to go, you are most likely going to die then. And if you keep your focus on saving that life, which you can only influence, you can't control that. You get somebody that now has a lot of baggage to take around and try and process. But if their goal actually is to make sure that they educate as much as they can to say, Hey, look, these are your risks though. You're an adult. You have to decide for yourself what you're going to do, but I need you to know at least what's at stake. And if they keep their focus on that, they can control that. They don't have unresolved baggage to fight through. They knew they did everything they could to try and save this person. Now, it's a life or death struggle situation that really exemplifies the emotion that we go through, but it really also illustrates the grounding we should pursue because you can't borrow other people's troubles.
0: And here's another example that comes up a lot. I actually have a big article that I update from time to time about the reluctant spouse syndrome where an investor has a spouse that is a partner in life that isn't quite on board with getting off the beaten path of traditional investing and not buying a house to live in. You guys can check this out at simplepassivecashflow.com slash spouse. But, so let's walk through this. Somebody wants to go into an investment or maybe not buy a house to live in, maybe rent for a while. And it clashes with the other person. And to me, the worst case scenario is where, when I throw my hands up in the air and I say, sorry, man, that's your problem. <laughs> the other, the spouse just is on, just disinterested in a way, but holding to their truth. Now, how would you navigate that specific
2: scenario? In that case, I would say hold to your truth. There's a fine line, and here's where a lot of people who are technical but not necessarily empathetic, or externally empathetic, I should say, visibly empathetic, will struggle because it is a fine line. You can have the same content, but the message and the wording and the tone changes everything. We're talking about establishing rapport. We're talking about already if the timing isn't right or if there's a personal conflict that's preventing this person from moving forward with something you think is a good idea. We've already covered what that looks like. It's not a good fit. If you can't prioritize this, then it's, it's not going to work out. You're going to make a different decision. All I can do is give you an educated sense of what your options are. And if you don't pick that up and run with it, I can only give you your options. I can only educate you. I can't force you to do something against your wishes, right? You can't control them. But there's a distinction between throwing up your hands and going, whatever, I can't tell you what to do. There's a dismissal to it. There is a reaction to the emotion that is coming into the tone and to the wording. Because your emotions at that exact moment have the better of you rather than the other way around. There's no solution there. Because the solution is whether or not you've exhausted all options. And if you throw your hands up in the air before you've exhausted all options then you have failed something that you actually have direct control over. You can exhaust those options. And what that ends up looking is just illuminating to them what would be a process that they can, should you change your mind, or here's an article you should read, or here's a a podcast episode you should listen to that really talks about this kind of concept and this kind of concern that you're running into right now. And how do you reconcile it? Like you can provide them options for them to come back later. It takes little effort on your part but it's a solution approach. It's something that you can offer them that whether they take it or not doesn't matter. But the delivery is establishing that rapport. The delivery is making that ally on the other side of the communication rather than using a rejection from emotion. If you have mastery over your emotions, you can address that situation a myriad number of ways that gives them a good feeling at the end of the day, even if it doesn't financially work out for them to wanna do the investment advice, for them to purchase this, to do that, whatever. And this is true for doctors with advice. This is true for engineers with unreasonable deadlines and a manager breathing down their neck. Like no matter what conflict you're looking at, you can react emotionally or you can feel the emotion, recognize it for what it is, ask yourself, but what am I going to do about it? Because reacting just from the emotion, you go, I can't do anything about it. And you just throw your hands up in the air. But you ask yourself after you recognize the emotion, what can I do about this? And you'll have a couple of things usually that spring to mind that you can still do. And you can close the book too. You can be like, hey, if it doesn't feel like it's a good fit, I can't change your mind on that. Here's some resources for you to check out.
0: Or me, you if- to find me. If continuing down this road is going to ruin the relationship even further, maybe that's the
2: smart choice,
0: that circumstance.
2: And to that point, if you're giving investment advice, you're not a family therapist. You're not a relationship therapist, a marriage counselor, or anything like that. So also recognizing where our strengths are and where they're not.
0: I will say this is a common story. It's something like innate, like infinite banking, using whole life insurance to bank yourself it's a little complicated topic and some spouses will just dig their feet in and say no and the, the kind of the more financially minded spouses you know say I'm frustrated I'm trying to trying to teach them about this they don't even listen they don't even watch the damn webinar to learn about it and they say no and then they just let it cool down for a few days and they said yeah they said just do it <laughs> so sometimes sometimes that can be the path forward too <laughs> This is just me being an observer of other people and just seeing how it works.
2: And when we see situations like this that we want to influence, there is a strategy we can still employ. If you see that as a recurring theme and you can recognize you don't have the control to change them or change their situation, but you do have networking partners, referral partners Individuals that specialize in maybe persuasion and conversational therapy or whatever, right? Some kind of sense of you're having a financial conflict. How do you resolve these kinds of financial conflicts with your spouse? Because if you got somebody that really wants to do it and then the spouse is in the way, then that person that really wants to do it is not going to go against their spouse, but they would love to figure out a way that they can communicate differently with their spouse to maybe persuade them. That is certainly something they would be interested in. That isn't necessarily your strength, but there are people that do that, and that's where the, the idea of an understanding of what you can and cannot work, where, what's your expertise and what your and what isn't your expertise, plays a crucial role. And by offering, even if the connection doesn't work out, just the offer of connecting them with that kind of resource to help them find a solution for themselves, wins you that kind of rapport.
0: Yeah, I think the goal is the rapport, right? And going back into the example of an IT solution where it's very binary,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you you as the expert know what the problem is and it can be very frustrating, especially in that case. Mm-hmm. Switching gears here a little bit, I'm big on building networks of other high net worth investors, getting in the room of the right people, which is usually not the local RIA and the free Groups online who are just more about wholesaling and flipping and getting their first hundred five hundred thousand dollars net worth, but and that's a big part of it. I think getting in in the right network, I and mean, that's why I've created the the simple passive cash flow nation and the mastermind. But I guess Brady, once you are in the right room, how what some tips on someone who is a little socially awkward from a technical background to get out of their comfort zone and intermingle and put their best face forward.
2: My main advice is to play to your strengths, which might sound a little confusing, perhaps to somebody who is very heavily introverted. But I had mentioned this earlier in the episode where we were talking about introverts having particular empathy that even extroverts do not possess. Because an extrovert can be a social butterfly and flit around the room and chit chat with everybody and they look like the life of the party. And somebody who is heavily introverted not only will feel envious looking at that example but feel lacking like they can't do that and that is doing an apples and oranges comparison you look at somebody that's social butterflying around the room and you go i can't do that and you start to shut yourself down and you don't go up and talk to anybody that is what we end up seeing in those kinds of situations but that's not your strength your strength is as an introvert for example is not your ability to flip between Twenty different conversations in 10 minutes, your strength is really deeply understanding one conversation, being able to really tap into another person. And that is something the extrovert can't pull off. The extrovert usually gets bored too easily and flits to the next conversation. You have a much stronger opportunity for connection, rapport, and building a strong ally in that room than even the extrovert can do. The extrovert could collect 15, 20 different business cards and not necessarily have any real follow through with any of them. But the introvert could get one card, maybe two, that actually goes somewhere because there was a deeper, meaningful connection that was happening. It takes a courage to do that. You have to get up the nerve to come up and talk to somebody, but devote yourself to that. Realize that your strength is to be able to understand this other person and make an ally.
0: Yeah, I think in our group, I would say 80% of the people are introverts. So I would say at least you got a pretty good shot of talking to somebody who is glad that if you're talking to them if you make the first move. Mm. And then something else that kind of came to mind was you know, it's I when I go to conferences, industry events, and I make a point to go more deep into one or a few people than to run around the room and waste my business cards. And every it's funny because everybody sees those people fluttering around the room. And you also see this in the virtual setting today, where, when there's not as many in-person events. I see it. I see it on my Facebook feed. I know you guys are out there. You guys are in every single Facebook group out there. I know because I am too, and Facebook alerts me. And I see those type of people, that It's again, it's the cheap, easy, free folks who they flutter around to every single group, ask the question here, ask the question there, ask the question, and they're they're, they're transitory to all these groups, but they're not a resident of any one or two. And I think it's it's different. I know the truth is those people they never really get anywhere. Plus, they never reinvest really their money into one group of people, time and money wise. That's I think that's how it recreates itself in the virtual world that we also. Unfortunately, are living into.
2: And there's also a corollary. It's a little bit of a cliche, but it's an interesting mental trick that I would recommend to somebody because whether it's in a virtual Zoom call where there's open breakout rooms and you have to pick a breakout room to go into or something like that, or you get assigned to a breakout room, or even if we think about an in-person thing and you've got 15 people lined up against the wall and nobody's talking because everybody's nervous, just remember And this is true. If you're the one that has the courage to go up and actually initiate the conversation, you're scared as all hell of how that's going to go. But in that instant that you're doing the approaching to somebody else, in that moment, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. That's the cliche. And by having that leap of faith, that courage to actually be the one to go up and initiate, you have now proven that you're just ever so slightly less afraid of this conversation than the person who didn't get that courage up to do it. And as a result, you're almost guaranteed to actually have a really good conversation because they're just happy that you started it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think a great opening pickup line is like, hey, I'm new here. I'm still trying to learn. Yeah, tell me about yourself. And I, I'm interested in learning too. It's rare that you find people that don't have that ego or that I'm all-knowing. I'm the best doctor. I'm the best dentist. I'm the best IT guy. I know everything. But yeah, let's. So Brady does, runs a pretty good boot camp specifically surrounding progressing your career and all these little social tweaks. Great, I I really like the group coaching setting that you do too. I can't we do this in the incubator group ourselves, but it's probably the most best way you're going to be able to get it, some people around you and that as close to one on one coaching without the price uh, that you can get self virtual, right? So you know you started with the pandemic, but you guys, what's the
2: URL, right? if people want to get a hold of you or you yeah, tell more? My website is ninja, So I N F I N I T E C H dot ninja. And the name was created around the idea that we are helping techs, particularly whether we're talking IT or programmers and developers if you're in the tech industry and that we have infinite potential, but we just need to untap it. So Infinitech. And then I call our graduates from the bootcamp tech ninjas because there's a resiliency and a versatility and agility to the mindset that I coach on these concepts that really prepares people to face down just about anything because we're really tapping into our personal power and not getting bogged down by what we can't control. And
0: and I've spoken about this before, this concept of binary skill sets that are contrasting. It's like the seven footer in basketball that can also dribble and shoot, or the super strong guy who's also fast. If you're an introvert out there and you shut up and actually listen to people, it's your normal tendency, but you're also able to navigate social norms, you become one one of these rock stars and gunslingers in the world. And you just rise above everybody else in career and networking. And it's because it's rare that binary skill sets is rare. And it's something that I've worked on myself because I was, you ask anybody who knows me, I'm one of the most socially awkward people in the world but I kind of work on it. But that's really how I've been able to work on all these business development relationships, partnerships, and find, build the, the group. And Brady will call me, says I'm confident. But yeah, because I put in the effing work and that's what I encourage everybody else should be doing, I Jump, do the bootcamp. I would definitely recommend it.
2: And I liked something else that you mentioned in there, like the introvert, who can start a conversation and actually communicate effectively with another person does so much more powerfully and meaningfully than the extrovert. And part of that is because of what you had mentioned about listening. We tend to, as introverts, I count myself among them, shut up and listen more than we want to talk necessarily. But the extrovert, by the opposite end of the spectrum, can't wait to get in their piece. So they're not necessarily actively listening. So you get that game of telephone that happens almost in that social butterfly where they're not even necessarily understanding what the other person just said because they were brushing up for their next statement. The introvert is actually paying attention and listening to the content and gets closer to the spirit of what was trying to be communicated. So that's how you establish those allies. Nothing feels better than being listened to and it makes you want to know this person some more. And if you're doing that for business, you're more likely to do business together. All
0: right, again, the URL, infinitech.ninja. And uh, remember, use these skills when you guys are in our mastermind groups. And we're going to be doing the retreat this year virtually. It'll be the bubble, (laughs) the virtual bubble this year. But uh, yeah, use these skills, bring your ego down, be open. Be the first person to show weakness and say you don't know anything. That's what I'd say. But, uh, thanks, Brady. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Man.